visit Cape and Cowell Comics at 1601 Clay Street in downtown Oakland, California, open every day, or online at capeandcowlcomics.com. Welcome to the Comic Sauce Podcast, where we talk comics and comics culture, presented by Cape and Cowell Comics. I am Henry Liu, and today I am joined by the man known as Rainier. How's it going, Rainier? What's up, guys? Comic Sauce, what's up? What's up? So, yeah, we have a new name of the show. We've rebranded a momentous occasion here. How do you feel about uh, the new name, the new branding, the new logo? It's everything that I dreamt of it to be. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. And uh, yeah, so, and that's really all it is. You know, it's uh, a different podcast logo, a different name of the show. That's about it. That is really it. Yeah, new name, but uh, the same old ingredients. Exactly. Although, it does beg the question, what happened? What did happen? What happened? <laughs> like, what's up? What, like, what happened with Cape and Cowl, you know? Is there beef between Aton Manhoff and Henry Liu? Is there beef between Aton and the man known as Rainier? Is he, is he mad at us? I don't know. We'll never know. <laughs> actually, we do know. And it's, not, it's actually not that dramatic. There's no, there's no bad blood. There's no beef. Um, yeah, why don't we break that down a little bit? So, essentially, the short of it is Aton approached us and he kind of was like, you know, he felt like he wasn't a part of the show as much as he wanted to, you know? Didn't, didn't you tell me he, he broke this down to you in an email? He broke up with you in an email? He broke up with me via email. <laughs> How about that? How do you like that? Man, cold hearted. Damn. Uh, but you know, it was, uh, it made sense because like, like I mentioned, he, he felt like, well, if he's going to have his, his store name on our show, you know, the show better be, you know, he should be part, a big part of the show, you know? And as it was, he was, he was on, but he was pretty much just like a recurring guest, you know, initially he wanted to be on every other episode and that didn't quite happen and maybe more than that he he wasn't really involved in like oh what are we going to talk about next week and uh like the creative direction of the show and those sort of decisions he wasn't a part of we were just you know we haven't had an open invite like come on in any time and he he did come in as much as he could but yeah that's pretty much all it was he was a recurring guest and yeah, it wasn't as as much part of the show as he would have liked. So his level of involvement wasn't as much as he wanted it to be. Hence, it seemed a bit unfair to, uh, you know, go alongside the Cape and Cal name because he is unable to be as involved as he'd like to be. Exactly. Yeah, I think you summed it up quite well there. Um, yeah. And um, you may have noticed, too, the show is still presented by... Cape and Cowell Comics, and he was, Aton was really cool about, oh, you can still maintain the association. So it's all good. Yeah, man, it's still one of our favorite shops. Absolutely. It's not going to stop us from not going. Hell yeah. And it just so happens to be 
Aton's birthday. So yeah. happy birthday, Aton. Happy birthday, Aton, fellow Gemini. Yeah. You rule, dude. You're the best. Always. All right. So a um, couple other notes um, with the rebrand. So, yeah, if you haven't seen it already, we have a new podcast logo, which I think is pretty fucking cool. Um, yeah, so when, shout when out. When are going to get that on the T-shirt? <laughs> oh, T-shirt. Oh, yeah. That's a good idea. We should do that. Um, but, yeah, shout out to the amazing Christopher Alvarez. He designed this new logo, and it's awesome. And uh, if you might have recalled, he is a part of the Ghost Thunder Collective, who we had on a few weeks ago. Uh, so he did a, a really great job with this logo, so we're super stoked about it. Did he give you a, a, a bunch of different concepts to look over, or was that the one and only, this is the one, this is the right one? He, I, really um, like it. I really liked his approach because um, once I got word of the rebrand, I knew I kind of had to scramble to get this new logo out uh, because I know, you know, it takes time. And he was really cool to work with. Like, I gave him the name of the podcast, which um, you and I, Rainier, we came up with. Um, By the way, that was a heavy brainstorming session. <laughs> we had a laundry list of names that we were going through. Yeah. But uh, comic sauce prevailed. It did above all. Yeah, I like I like that session we had because it was very collaborative. You know, um, essentially it was you, Rainier, who came up with a really long list of potential titles, and um, the two of us kind of pared it down and uh, basically agreed upon uh, this new name. Um, we also considered the names of existing podcasts out there. And there's a lot of podcast. There's a lot of comic themed podcasts out there. Let's just put it that way. A whole lot. <laughs> so that, that actually helped the process. We, we were able to cross off a bunch of, uh, of the potential titles right off the bat because of that. But there is only one, the comic sauce. Hell yeah. So yeah, we had the name and that was about it. You know, um, I, I kind of thought the idea of having, the name of the podcast on a sauce bottle. Um, I thought that might be kind of cool. So I did mention that, but I didn't give him a whole lot of other direction. And I was kind of like, well, you know, whatever you come up with, you know, let, let's see. Um, and uh, he did give me quite a few options. So the shape of the bottle was pretty much on all of the options, but the type of sauce well, there were a lot of different types of sauce, you know. So the, the one that we ended up with is the barbecue sauce. Oh, style. with different types of sauce, like hot sauce, like soy sauce. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh okay. So, so the yeah the final one was was a very barbecue sauce looking image. But yeah, no, there was sriracha, there was mm. uh, ketchup, there's mustard, there was uh, the, the soy whole time, sauce. I've actually had a hot sauce in my head the whole time, a even yeah. after looking at it. Like it looked like a hot sauce bottle to me. Okay. Maybe that's what I want to see. And I'm glad you said that because I, I chose the barbecue sauce because, well, I mean, who doesn't fucking like barbecue sauce? But second of all, it, it did look like it could be something else. It, it wasn't necessarily barbecue sauce. So yeah, maybe it's hot sauce. Maybe it's something else it's entirely. It's an ambiguous sauce. <laughs> Yeah, so it's whatever you want it to be. But, uh, yeah, so anyhow, another shout-out to Christopher Alvarez. Great job. And on kind of a boring tech technical note, um, 
these things take time. So uh, the rebranding of uh, of our show, you know, you may even notice there's been quite a bit of time between episodes here. So that was obviously because of the rebrand, um, but also because it takes time for all this stuff to to load, uh, you know, in in the uh, in the interwebs, you know. Um, even and I want to bring this up because even now I think if you do searches on Comic Sauce Podcast, you might still find the old Cape and Cowell logo. <laughs> so um, yeah, please don't send us a cease and desist letter or anything. Uh, the, the the reloading of all that is in progress. I think it's just iTunes that's a little bit lagging here, um, but just FYI. Uh, on the technical front there. I have nothing to say about that because Henry does everything. <laughs> I don't do everything. <laughs> I do a lot. <laughs> Put it that way. Okay. So, yeah, I think we can move on. Um, like I said, some time has passed between our last episode and now. But um, nevertheless, you know, uh, I think there's pretty much only one thing to focus on right now and that's spider-man homecoming yeah yeah today's july 11th spider-man homecoming has released and has made a huge splash it made huge box office over over its uh opening weekend great critical acclaim as well um this one is a huge hit kind of on all fronts for for marvel studios and and yes, uh, Rainier, you and I did go to see it, and notably, we saw it together. We watched it together. <laughs> yeah, which is uh, not usually the case. The so last we, movie we saw together was Star Trek in San Diego. Yes, that's Into right. Into the Darkness. Is that the one? That oh, no, uh, Star Trek Beyond. <laughs> Star Trek yeah. Beyond. Wait, what was yeah. <laughs> What's Into the Darkness? What is that? Uh, oh, Star Trek Into Darkness is the second. Oh, the second one. J.J. Abrams' okay. Star Trek. Yeah, yeah. Losing Come on, track oh man! Your Star Treks. <laughs> you're just your nerd cred just went down a couple notches just now, did it not? <laughs> Maybe just Star Trek nerd cred. Yeah. Ooh, is that is that a, like a slight slight uh, burn toward the truckers out there? I don't know. I wasn't too thrilled about the third one. Were you? Uh, I wasn't. Uh, I, I definitely wasn't overwhelmed by it. You know. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe. Um, but yeah, you know, Spider-Man: Homecoming. We went. We went to see it, and. Um, you know, I think there's a lot to be said about this flick. Why don't we start? Uh, why don't we start with the positives? You know, why don't we start with the, the good of the the movie? You want to start, Rainier? Yeah. So this is Spider-Man's sophomore appearance in the MCU with Tom Holland. Uh, a lot yeah. of expectation for this movie. Uh, he made a big splash in Civil War. Yeah. Uh, a very big splash, right? Big splash, yeah. Uh, he was one of the highlighted superheroes in the trailer, the teaser trailer that yeah. came out for Civil War. So I know yeah. we've, we've talked about that before, but it still annoys me that the reveal of Spider-Man in the MCU was in a fucking trailer, you know? like Yeah, ah. I agree, too. I, I think it would have been much more... I think it would have held the reveal a bit better had it maybe just been his his web that grabbed his shield. Yep. You know? Yep. And it's, not showing the full-on Spidey yeah, costume. Save the full reveal for the movie. But anyhow. But we don't do that shit for a living, so what are <laughs> yeah. we to say? <laughs> yeah. We could talk about it, though. Yeah. Yeah, no, Spider-Man Homecoming is fun. It was, it was, it was quick-paced. It was bright. It was fun. It wasn't bogged down by any kind of origin story. In fact... The only remnants of an origin story was really just reduced to a single line 
when okay by the way spoilers right if you're if you oh, haven't yeah. seen spider-man don't listen to this uh if you haven't seen it by now what the hell are you doing <laughs> yeah um, spoiler alert but back to what i was saying yeah no origin story it was really reduced to a single line with peter parker talking to ned about ned asked oh you got bit by a radioactive spider yeah. And that was it, and it just moved on, and it was uh, and that was the tone of the film. Yeah, um, Tom Holland, his Spider-Man's very contemporary. Mm-hmm. They kept him in high school the entire time. He didn't grow up to go into college or you know work uh, in, in the real world. <laughs> right. Very tech focused, young Aunt May. A lot of changes, yeah. a lot of liberties they've taken with this one. Um, a lot of changes. Yeah, but it's fun. I think I think Spider-Man needed a bit of a refresh. I don't think they. I don't think they dove or deviated too far from the source material because there is still, I'm sure, a a trilogy that's going to be coming out. I mean, they Mm -hmm. have so much more room to tell Peter Parker's story. Yeah. What did you think? So I liked it as well. You know, I had some issues with it. But like I said, let's start with the good stuff. And there is a lot to like about this movie. You know, you mentioned Tom Holland. He was good. He was very likable. He's a really charismatic charismatic actor. By the way, he's 21. Yeah. Playing a 15-year-old, 14-year-old. Yeah. You know, it's acting, <laughs> you know. So well, he acted his way in he he did a very good job playing a yeah, 15-year-old. Yeah. He did. But I would also say that he looks really young too, yeah, he so does. that he had that on his side. We'll talk about that a little more later, but um, continuing on with positives. The the villain of the movie Michael Keaton as the Vulture was awesome. I think I thought he was great, you know. Um, I, I enjoyed him as the villain as well. And this yeah. was coming off the heels of him. At least the last movie I saw with him was uh, was Birdman. Right, yeah. Where he played a superhero on in, in his in his in, in, in an early part of his career now yeah. on, on Broadway. Yep. This is it's so it's so meta. Like so he, him being in Birdman was this kind of this kind of surreal you know uh art imitates life sort of thing of him being batman earlier in his career right but then they 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 flipped it again where he played birdman and then he plays a a vulture vulture you know so it's it's wild like when when they first announced that i was like is this for real it, it it seemed like some sort of prank kind of like stunt casting or something. Um, but after seeing the movie, the results are, are really good. You know, I thought he was a great villain. There's this likable darkness of Michael Keaton playing Vulture yeah. that I thought was really appealing. Yeah. And also I'll note that um, there is kind of this, a very secondary villain, the Shocker, in the movie. Pretty cool. You know, it didn't do a whole lot. But I just wanted to comment on... You know, all the Spider-Man movies, you know, some are great, some not so great. Um, But I think it's really cool that they've really, they really haven't repeated their villains so much. You know, we've seen a lot of different Spidey villains, you know. It it isn't the Green Goblin every time. You know, we've seen the Lizard, we've seen Rhino, Vulture, Doc Ock, you know, there's like they're they're going pretty deep into the rogue rogues gallery. You yeah, know? that's something I never thought about. That they rarely repeat the villains that they've had amongst all the Spider-Man reboots, which is cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool, and you know, uh, it it can't I can't help but think of some of the flack that the Superman movies have gotten. A lot of people are like, 
well, do we have to see Lex Luthor or Zod like every time? You know, I mean, Superman's got a long history of awesome villains too. So, um, yes, we do need to see them every time. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> Give me some Brainiac, dude. I want to see Brainiac. I want to see Bizarro. Yeah. I want to see. Uh, I want to see Metallo. Yeah. I want to see Mitzel Pitlick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Give it to me. Absolutely. All. Absolutely. Okay. So. So it's good. You know, I think we both walked away feeling pretty good about the movie, but I also felt like... Well, well, let me add before you start diving in, before you start trashing the movie. I'm just kidding. (laughs) I know you liked it. Uh, But the dialogue, Peter Parker's dialogue was Spider-Man. You know, his his studious, um, you know, how they portray him in academia, that was Mm Spider-Man. His awkwardness was Spider-Man. They really captured, they really captured what I... How I see Spider-Man, which is okay. great. Yeah, that's what I really liked. Okay, this might be a good segue because I kind of disagree with what you just said there. You know, uh, part of my issues with the movie are that, you know, to me, this really wasn't the Peter Parker I know. You know, um, I don't consider myself like a hardcore Spider-Man traditionalist, but the more I think about it, maybe I am <laughs> because... I really, like Peter Parker to me is that Stan Lee, Steve Ditko, original Spider-Man comic version of Peter Parker and Spider-Man, which I think was captured really well in the Sam Raimi, Tobey Maguire films. Well, the first two, at least. Um, And, you know, we'll get into that a bit. But, yeah, no, this, this Peter Parker was something else entirely, I think, you know felt a lot different like as spider-man i thought he was good because spider-man you know in the costume he is very happy-go-lucky he's cracking jokes he's happy you know spider-man's happy when he's swinging his on his web and he's fighting crime and he's cracking jokes etc but which he was right which he was so i I agree there he tom holland was a great spider-man but as Peter Parker, it never felt right to me. Like, Peter Parker is not this happy-go-lucky kid who has, like, multiple friends who, But did like, you see who his friends were, right? His friends were the, was it a forensic group or math, math, math yeah. leads? Or? Yeah, I mean, they're nerdy friends, but he's still got friends, you know? <laughs> like, to me, Peter Parker is, is painfully shy. He is awkward. He is anxious. He is nervous. He he can he can barely talk to people. You know, um, he's a loner. He's a loner. Absolutely. Yeah. See, and they they went in a new direction with this. Like yeah. he had he had Ned, who greatly resembles uh, Gonk or Gank Lee from yeah. Miles Morales' Spider Man. Yes. But he had him as a best friend. Yeah. And I think by extension, like, you know, he would have he would have other friends similar to the way yeah. that. You know, Ned was. I mean, I'm not denying this is a different portrayal, and and your explanation for him having other friends makes sense. But I'm just saying, I to do me, see, I do see what you're saying. Though. That's not Peter Parker. I do know? see what you're saying because, yeah. like, Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man, he did have he did have Norman, right? Uh, yeah, oh, or uh, Harry. Harry. Harry he did have Harry Osborn. Yeah, and that was it. That was his only and, friend, and, and their it. friendship was a little weird, anyway. And you his, know, and and Harry Osborn was actually cool right he was kind of popular um i mean in a kind of a mysterious way he was kind of like the rich kid who 
people didn't hang out with him, but, you know, he's like this good-looking rich guy, so it wasn't like people would bully him, you know. And then Andrew Garfield Spider-Man, I, I don't think he had any friends, right? Peter Parker, his Peter Parker didn't have any friends. Okay, well. I can't remember. I, I kind of try to forget these movies, but, <laughs> I mean, like, Andrew Garfield, you know, he, he's, he's great, like, in the, the social network, awesome. Um, and, you know, you could argue he was decent as Spider-Man, but even more so, even more than Tom Holland, he didn't feel like Peter Parker at all. Like, he was, he kind of, he was like this hipster, you know? He looked cool. Like, Andrew, Andrew Garfield looked cool. Like, he, he looks like, he looks like the Peter Parker I see in the comics, but mm-hmm. he almost looked too cool. Like, he was too cool. Yeah. He, 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 like, rode around on a skateboard. He dressed all emo, and he had a nice haircut. And As if Peter yeah. Parker could be, like, a J. Crew model. Yeah. And uh, okay, so th- here's a good, here's here's a good point too, like Andrew Garfield is a really good-looking dude. Like um, the fact that he wasn't getting girls and stuff, and he was riding a skateboard, and he was all mysterious. Like I don't, know, I wasn't buying that at all. Yeah, you know, that doesn't add up. Um, Tobey Maguire, um, you know, not an ugly guy, but he, I don't think he's as good-looking an actor. And he, he just looked dorky, and, and, and more than that, he had that, that awkwardness, you know, super shy. Um, Tom Holland, you know, um, Tom Holland looks like a little boy, you know. And there's another, there's another area I got some issues with. It just felt too young, you know? Too young. He's a sophomore in high school, right? Yeah. Which, you know, you go to a high school and you look at, the sophomore class, just like just some random high school, they'll tend to look like that. I'm not questioning that, you know, but I don't know. I just, you know, Peter Parker, to me, he, he doesn't, it didn't feel right. I think maybe with the direction they were going with was they wanted to add more dimension to his awkward nerdiness as a high school student, as opposed yeah. to, you know, the stereotypical loner, awkward, doesn't have any friends kind of portrayal. Yeah, I could see that. Maybe that's the angle they wanted to take. I could see that. But, you know, today's nerd is very different than, you know, the nerds we knew 10, 20 years ago. Yeah, this is true. And and what we're talking about right now, it makes, it, it, it makes me think of a previous show we did. It's called Old School versus New School. And a lot of the discussion then was, are we just kind of holding on to some of this stuff too tightly? You know, um, should we be more open to a new type of Spider-Man, you know? I mean, are we saying, are, are you saying that are, are we bitter old men? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> and I think in my, in my opinion, the answer is yes, because <laughs> I, I, I can't get over it. I, it's just, to me, this is not Spider-Man. It's just, it's a different character. We, I know? think we can agree on this, though. This is definitely not your dad's Spider-Man. Yeah, this is true. They, 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 they purposefully went in a, a completely different direction. So, uh, you know, I'll give that to them. They succeeded. You know, this is a totally different character. Um, I don't particularly like that, but... I'll give them that. They succeeded there. No question. I think the reason why they took this direction with Spider-Man as opposed to the traditional route that you and I know Spider-Man to be is it had to fit into the MCU. They had to wedge it into the MCU. Yeah. Okay. So let's yeah, let's talk about the MCU crossovers here. Um, but wait, before we do, um, let me say my final 
my, my final thing on Tobey Maguire because I did rewatch the first Sam Raimi Spider-Man in preparation uh, of, of watching Homecoming, right? I got to say, it, it's a brilliant movie. It and is. Yeah, it, it's awesome. And, and I will say outright, it blows Spider-Man Homecoming out of the water. Ooh, out of the water? Out of the water. Oh, I don't know about that, Fuck man. Yeah. Well, here's yeah. the thing. Like, I like I like Sam Raimi's Spider-Man one and two. They're they're easily top of my list when it comes to comic book superhero movies. I mean, yeah. I feel like Sam Raimi took a huge leap and took these characters seriously, keep, keeping them close to source material, which I feel like is the formula that that every comic superhero film should follow. And I feel like he was one of the first to do that. Yeah, absolutely. That that was maybe the main thing, the main greatness of that first Spider-Man was that they stuck so closely to the original source material. You know, the one big change was the organic web shooters. But other than that, man, they... I can't believe people complain about that. Yeah. Um, and But yeah, other than that, they, they didn't miss a beat. And... And yeah, again, just to just to wrap up, you know, I want to I want to rant a little bit because when I watched that first Spider-Man again, I got chills because in the back of my mind, I was thinking, you know, I loved this movie when it first came out, but that was fucking 15 years ago. So does it still hold up? You know, a lot of movies after a certain amount of time, you know, they show their age a bit. Um, but at least for me, absolutely not the case. I got as much of a thrill re-watching this movie on 4th of July 2017 as I did, you know, when it released in 20, uh, 2002. And, man, so I just want to call out, you know, Tobey Maguire. He wasn't Andrew Garfield, the spider hipster. <laughs> he wasn't Tom Holland, the spider millennial. He was, he says it at the end of the movie. He says... It's like the last line in the fucking movie. He says, who am I? I'm Spider-Man. Fuck yeah. Peter Parker, Spider-Man. I mean, Tobey Maguire, Toby Maguire is my Spider-Man. And I'm just, you know, I know we're going to talk about Homecoming more, but that's, that's, that's it, man. And like, uh, you know, the, the lines in the movie, like uh, Uncle Ben, you know, he says, he says the, the, immortal, the immortal words with great power comes great responsibility. Man, when he fucking said that, I got chills, man. And then uh, P- Peter Parker sa- repeats the line at the end of the movie, at, at, the, at, uh, at the funeral scene. With great power comes great responsibility. Fuck yeah. <laughs> That's all I wanted to say. I just wanted oh, to... <laughs> hold on a second. We didn't, we didn't even include the the uh, overpresence of Iron Man. Okay, I know, I know. Let's let's get into that. So I just wanted wanted to say my last little thing on Tobey Maguire. Okay, okay, sure. And real quick, uh, you know, Tobey Maguire was awesome. But, I mean, Sam Raimi, even more so, I think, was responsible for making that particular film great. And I don't don't even want to mention Spider-Man 2, Equally awesome. I actually so like Spider-Man 2 better than A Spider-Man lot of people 1. have that opinion. I think they're equally awesome. Which is why Spider-Man 3 was such a letdown. Yeah, yeah, oh, no, my was God. They were shoving it, venom down our throats. Terrible. Terrible. We get emo Spider-Man, <laughs> emo yeah. Peter Parker. Yeah. Did they even say emo anymore? Is that a thing? I don't know. I don't know. But, yeah, that was a 
disaster. That was one of the things that I still can't uh, accept is that Sam Raimi built one and two to be these great movies, and you would think, okay, three's got to be nothing but better than one yeah. and two, and it was such a letdown. And for me, even more reason to call out the greatness that was Spider-Man, directed by Sam Raimi, starring Tobey Maguire, because I think after that third Spider-Man, it left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouth, and I just want to revisit and just recognize okay so <laughs> let's move on all right so yeah mcu so well actually let me yeah. talk i want to talk a little bit more also about homecoming go for it so i liked homecoming a lot um and i'm in agreement with you actually on sam raimi's spider-man one and two so i really can't argue with you on that i feel like the things that were missing in homecoming and you mentioned this earlier the Sam Raimi films, the first and second one, they really revolved around the no, you know, great power comes great responsibility mantra. Yeah, none of that existed in Homecoming. Right. What was what seemed to be Peter Parker's driving force for Homecoming was, I want to be an Avenger. Yes. I'm waiting for my next mission. Yeah. You know, I'm 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 tired of this low brow petty theft that I'm stopping. I want I want you know I want to be one of the big guns. Yep. And that seemed to be a lot of his driving force. And even an extension of that, with no great power comes great responsibility, the sense of tragedy for Spider-Man and Sam Raimi's film, like that was there. That was that yeah. was the tragedy that he had gone through. There was really no sense of tragedy in Homecoming. That's I true. couldn't think of like where was there a low point. There, yeah. there was there was a part where a building fell on him. Yeah. And he was like, I can't do it. I can't do it. <laughs> and then suddenly he, he musters up courage. Yeah. And he's like, Okay, I can do it. And that yeah. was it. And it it, it seemed. I don't know. It seemed kind of just rush and cheap. Yeah. It was a good point. You know, it's it's a lighter movie. It, it doesn't deal with the, the darker stuff that we typically see with Spider-Man stories, you know, the comics or the movies, you know. Yeah. Um, death is this sort of this, this, this underlying theme throughout everything. But we didn't, yeah, we didn't feel that with Homecoming. It was very light. It was, uh, it was fun. You know, it's a fun movie. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of technology in his suit, man. Yeah, it okay. almost It's almost as if he's the race car driver and, the, you know, the suit's doing all the work. Yeah, okay, so you brought up Iron Man earlier. So Iron Man is all over this movie. By the way, has the name Spiron Man popped up anywhere? Because <laughs> oh, I want to coin that right now. Oh, God, I hope Spiron not. Man. <laughs> no, please, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, um, hey, you know, if there are any old-school comic readers, you may have recalled... Um, a, a series called Marvel Team Up. So basically, I think I, I feel like it was like kind of Bronze Age Marvel, but uh, it's essentially Spider-Man teaming up with another superhero. You know, so there's Spider-Man and Daredevil, Spider-Man and Iron Fist, etc., etc. You know, this movie to me felt like Marvel Team Up featuring Spider-Man and Iron Man. It didn't feel like a Spider-Man movie because Iron Man is all over this thing. You know. Right? Yeah. I feel like, I mean, like, okay, it's clear that Iron Man helped Peter build his suit. Yeah. That's, we got that right from Civil War. And, oh, and before you move on, even that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. It's like, Tony Stark didn't build Spidey's suit, you know? They yeah, were, man. See, that's the thing, like, okay, if there's anything that, that I don't know, like, Spider-Man made his own suit. Right, it's not a unitard. It's something yes. that he pieced together, that he built in his bedroom, that he designed yeah. and sewed together in his bedroom. Yeah, and, and there's it, no there's no circuits in there, you know. Yeah, if there's any if there's anything I could point out in the first 
Raimi Spider-Man as much as we really enjoyed it. There's no way that he would have had that material to make such a clean-looking Spider-Man That's suit. That's true. I thought Peter Parker's original suit from Civil War that he had hiding above the crawl space in his or the attic in his room yeah. that was just a sweater, goggles, and a pair of socks. Like uh, That is way more realistic to me yeah. in terms of a kid making his own suit. This is true. Yeah, and in that same vein, the first Spider-Man suit, in that Tobey Maguire movie where he goes to the wrestling match with, that seemed believable, as did, um, yeah, like the, the Tom Holland uh, suit that he built on his own. That's, it seemed more realistic. But, yeah, I mean, in that first Spider-Man, there's no way, like, Peter Parker could have put together that awesome costume. Every scene was perfect. <laughs> yeah. The so, spider logo I mean, was not misaligned. <laughs> yeah. Hey, maybe the, the Iron Man created suit is sort of in response to that because, okay, Peter Parker couldn't have created the, the suit, but Tony, Tony Stark could have, right? Maybe that's the explanation. Again, not a big fan of that just because it, it's, it's so different. It's off canon, you know? It gives you a sense of... Sp- it gives you the sense that Spider-Man wasn't a hero on his own accord. Yeah. That he had help, mm. which is fine. But again, this goes to the you know old school Spider-Man versus new school Spider-Man yeah, fans, right? right? Yeah, and what you know in the history of the comics, Iron Man didn't introduce Spider-Man to the world. It was much the opposite. You know, there would be no Iron Man if there was no Spider-Man. So, yeah. yeah. So a little odd. Okay. So and um. And it's not just Spider-Man's suit. You know, like, Iron Man's all over this movie. He shows up at the beginning, middle, and end of the movie. He's in action scenes. He saves Spider-Man in, in a couple instances, right? And he saves Spider-Man in every instance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and Every big, yeah, there were, there, were, there were two big scenes where Spider-Man was losing his grip uh, on saving the day. And guess he flies in to save the day. <laughs> yeah. And so, and even when Iron Man isn't there, he's there. So in one case, literally, like Iron Man shows up and it's like an Iron Man drone. Um, but even when there is no suit of armor on screen, we still feel Tony Stark's presence, whether it's Spider-Man's suit or like the technology. The technology is all over the place. He's got that spider drone and it's, it's got... Tony Stark all over this thing, you know? It's too much, I think. Can I ask you a question? Do you recall Tony Stark or or any of Star- or Stark's parents at one point building Captain America's shield the way they did it in the MCU? Okay, so... Wait, uh, refresh my memory about them building... So oh, okay. Wasn't you- the shield originally property of Stark technology? That's right, that's right. Howard Stark, he, he, he busted it out. He said, this is a prototype. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And was it also Stark's technology that created the super soldier serum? Oh, shit. So, like, okay, <laughs> now you're bringing up some annoying stuff uh, again. Like, So, Tony Stark is intertwined in the MCU <laughs> much more damn. than we would have expected, right? <laughs> yeah. I, hey, that's a good point. So, not only was Howard Stark responsible for getting Cap his shield, but also Steve Rogers becoming Captain America, right? Because so in the comics, that was all, like, government, well, you know, yeah, well, it specifically was Dr. Erskine, who was in the first Avenger, and he created the super soldier serum, but he needed Howard Stark's help to, to power uh, the, the machine that, that did the transformation. So, 
In, yeah, in a, in a small way, I guess. So, yeah. So what I'm getting at is that see, there's there's a subtle influence of Stark there. Oh yeah. Whereas in Homecoming, it's way overbearing. Yeah. Like there's definitely no subtlety. Like Tony Stark is there every yeah, step yeah. of the way. Yep. Yeah. So. I think it could have been handled that way, a little more subtle. I think. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. And on that point, interestingly, before we saw the movie, we were discussing a bit, and we were both wondering how much of an MCU movie would this feel like? Because as you guys might know, this is not an outright Marvel Studios movie. It's a Sony and Marvel Studios collaboration, co-production. So we thought, oh, we were kind of hoping, like, oh, I hope this doesn't feel like another Sony movie. Um, As it turned out, it didn't. It, It totally felt like a Marvel Studios movie and maybe too much because like we're saying, Iron Man's all over all over this thing. Captain America is in it. There's tons of Avengers references. And um, I kind of wanted to see, you know, Spider-Man stand alone. Like, yeah. Spider-Man doesn't need the MCU for people to go see this movie. Like, you know, I don't know. What, what, what are your thoughts on, on all that? You know, I'm wondering, had they, had they not gone in that direction where Stark made the suit or the random PSAs you see Captain America in. I, I wonder if you were to cut all that out, would it then start to feel like a Sony Spider-Man film? <laughs> would it? I mean, I think it definitely would make it look like he's on his own. Yeah, and he maybe. wasn't being babysat by yeah. Tony Stark. Possibly. And I mean, like the, the the explanation in in the movie is that Tony Stark doesn't want the death of Peter Parker to be on his hands because he's using his tech. And that's you know that's that was a clear explanation. He's like, I brought you in and I need to make sure that you can stand on your own. Yeah. Yeah. But again, it just feels overbearing. Right? Yeah. It was a bit much, you know, I mean, the movie starts with, uh, them talking about, uh, the Avengers and, you know, the incident. Mm-hmm. I- I'm kind of sick and tired of hearing about the incident. Yeah. You know? I, in fact, the movie starts with, uh, the, uh, repercussions of the incident. Yes. Right. Yes, exactly. They're cleaning up, the numerous buildings got de- that got destroyed in New York, yeah, uh, because of the sh- Chitari and and, yeah. and Loki. I, I think we can move on from from the fucking incident at this point. You By know? the way, there was an equal amount of destruction in New York City that the Avengers had created <laughs> that was done by Superman and Zod in Metropolis. <laughs> just FYI. Okay, yeah, you got you got to get that in there, huh? I had to. <laughs> okay, okay, all right. Um, so but there. Okay, just <laughs> to jump back on this. Other things, other elements that I felt that were missing was there was no question if Spider-Man was friend or foe, right? There was mm-hmm. always that. There was always that ambiguity in the in the Raimi films. Like, oh, yeah. is he a good guy? Is he a bad guy? Is he good for the city? Is he not? That was never a question. I always I got the impression that everyone just knew him as the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Yeah, that's um, a good point because I think that's a big part of the Spider-Man we know. He's kind of the anti-hero, you know. Um, and you know it, it it makes me think of that that's just one of a lot of things that are way different with this spider-man you know stuff that's like way off canon you know um let's talk a little bit about uh no spider sense oh <laughs> yeah. you know what just occurred to me right yeah. now so there was no explanation of any or any kind of uh, there was no uh, illustration or any portrayal of spider-man having any kind of spidey sense yeah and i think the reason why that was cut out was because all the spidey sense was built electronically into the suit ah oh man that yeah you nailed it you nailed it because it did annoy me 
that there's no Spidey sense at all in the movie. Because I'm, I love that superpower. I think it's one of the cooler superpowers out there. Yeah, it's just, it's just you interesting. You know there's imminent danger, yeah. but you don't know where it's coming from, yeah, but I you're like it. prepared for it. I really like it. So it, it kind of peeved me that it wasn't in there. But but what you just explained, which makes a lot of sense, is that he doesn't need Spidey Sense if he has his tech, which is just that much more annoying, you know? Yeah. <sighs> yeah. yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> so what else? Um, so the whole high school bunch, that's a big change you know in some ways for the better i thought it was pretty refreshing seeing an indian flash thompson you know the smart bully yeah. oh and he wasn't like he wasn't overly roided out oh he's this little dude Sp- spider-man never gets beat up or peter parker never gets beat up by by flash yeah he just kind uh, of physically yeah maybe verbally verbally he was he was uh insulted yeah that was kind of refreshing, and yeah, we saw a lot of diversity in the high school crew, um, as Zendaya, as uh, Michelle, and uh, you know the love interest Liz, you know, like, um, and and the and the best friend Ned, you know, mm-hmm. like a lot of people of color in this movie, which is which, which was pretty refreshing. Oh, and their their high school principal was uh, Asian. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I think to be Japanese uh, in, in the context of this film. <laughs> yes. Which should I? So yeah, that, let's that talk about a, that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so this is one of the things I noticed right away was uh, there was a there's a moment where uh, Peter's called into the principal's office, and if you notice, it's the same actor uh, that is portrayed in Captain America Civil uh, Captain America First Avenger. Yeah. Who is part of the? Uh, oh gosh, what's the name of the? Oh, the, again? the Howling the Commandos. Howling Commandos. Yeah, <laughs> he's the only. Uh, he, I think he's he was a, a Japanese war fighter that had yeah. joined the U.S. Mm-hmm. And if you look, it's not even very subtle. It's right there, right where his desk is. There's a picture of himself <laughs> with uh, a bunch of wartime medals. And I think what they were trying to show here was that this is a descendant of 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 that character. Yeah. Pretty but, cool. And, and it's the same actor, too, which is, yeah. you know, it's, it's striking. Yeah. A nice little Easter egg there. And props to you for catching that. I did not catch that. Uh, but here I get to uh, pat myself on the back a little. There this was, is a big one. This is a big one. Yeah, I caught a, a pretty big Easter egg. And it's the reference to Miles Morales. So the Donald Glover character in the movie is this kind of small-time criminal. And he makes what seems to be kind of a throwaway line where he says, oh, my nephew lives in this neighborhood too. And, you know, I, I, don't, I, want, I want to keep it safe, you know. And boom, I did recognize that as being a reference to Miles Morales. Uh, his, because in the, in the uh, Ultimate Spider-Man comics, Miles, Mora- Miles Morales has an uncle who's a criminal, but he's kind of a criminal with a good heart. So... Yeah, I caught it, and yeah, uh, b- both of those nice Easter catch. eggs. Oh, thank you. B- both uh, those Easter eggs uh, were were pretty subtle, you know. Uh, but uh, we 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 did catch them. So a little a little air high five on, on that one. <laughs> there you go. Okay, so um, you know, I thought we'd talk a little more about just some of the stuff in the movie because there is more stuff that was way different than any Spider-Man we've seen before. You know, oh yeah. So I was talking about like the, the high school bunch. <laughs> this just so, occurred to me that Peter Parker went to a house party. Yeah, Peter Parker never goes to a house party. Yeah, he was <laughs> invited to a house party. You know, like come on. Um, so yeah, yeah. Uh, so along those lines, that that whole bunch. So his his group of friends. You know, um, like we were saying before, like 
Peter Parker doesn't really have friends in my mind. So it's a little odd to me. But um, so not only did did he have friends, but, you know, he kind of had like his high school experience seemed kind of fun, you know, like he's not the tortured teenager that we've seen before. And it didn't it didn't really feel right. Um, interestingly, there uh, you mentioned uh, some of the, the the principal of the school. The the uh, the, the teacher, the, the science teacher, is of note too. He, he's uh, played by Martin Starr, who who's probably most well known now for for playing Guilfoyle in Silicon Valley. He, he's hilarious in that. Um, but also he's known for playing Bill in Freaks and Geeks. And so there's a little Freaks and Geeks, Geeks connection in this movie where Martin Starr is in the cast and John Francis Daly is one of the screenwriters. And he was in Freaks and Geeks also. He played Sam Weir. So the, the dynamic of the Peter Parker's like crew, his friends, it felt a lot like the, the geeks in Freaks and Geeks. And they uh, similarly, they're nerdy, they're dorky. Uh, but they they have fun, you know. They they're they're a fun loving bunch. They're they're not like uh, like tortured and and, and, and anxiety ridden. Not, not total outcasts. Not total outcasts, exactly. So it felt like that was kind of the vibe there, which again was pretty fun and different, but different. I think it's just the <laughs> you know? redefined, you know, millennial nerd. I think that's what I it know. is, man. Uh, maybe maybe. I maybe we need to just kind of come to grips and just accept that this is the new Spider-Man. You know, go with it. I don't know. I'm I'm fine with it. Yeah, I'm okay with it. So we we also did not see uh, the Daily Bugle. Oh, and no interest you know? in photography. He didn't have a oh, camera. Oh, yeah. I can't recall him holding a camera in any in any scene, even even like a, a cell phone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. So there's another think, yeah, another yeah. key missing ingredient. But again, a lot of these things that we're pointing out that we're we're not seeing or are missing elements from this movie, you know, I feel like there's room for it to happen in the next Tom Holland Spidey film. That's the thing. I think maybe they're just leaving it open, and they wanted to test the waters with this big splash. It's possible, but some of the stuff is so different. Is it's it's a little hard to to take. You know, yeah. And okay, so another big one is this character Michelle. Michelle. So <laughs> again, like obviously, spoiler. Um, at the very end of the movie. Well, okay. maybe we should rewind a bit. Okay. So this character is played by Zendaya. Yeah. And she's a Disney star. And when I found out she was cast, um, I I thought, oh, okay, she looks to be the same age as Tom Holland. It looks like they're, and I think a lot of people were like already under the impression, oh, she's going to be Mary Jane. And, you know, a lot of people had issues with that. Yeah. And I think somewhere down the line, they're like, oh, she's not Mary Jane. She's some other character. Um, and she's sprinkled in the movie as this sort of just weird side character yeah. that she's not very well put together. Mm-hmm. She's really awkward. And she just has these one-liners that are just totally from left field. Yeah. She and seemed so, pretty obsessed with Peter Parker, too. Yes. Right? Right. She followed him around everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so here you can continue with where... where. Okay, yeah. This okay. big curveball. Yeah, the big curveball at the end of the movie, again, what seems to be kind of a throwaway line, she goes, as she's leaving the room, she says, oh, my friends call me MJ, 
right? That's yeah, the line. And the theater was like, oh, shit. Yeah, we're like, yeah. oh, you know. But, like, what does that mean? Like, in okay, I mean, again, you know, being a bit of a traditionalist, you have to go back to the source material. MJ doesn't stand for, like, Michelle, Jennifer, Watson, whatever. It's Mary Jane. Mary Jane. Her name Mary is Jane. Mary Jane. Yeah. There's no derivation of Mary Jane that Mary comes Jane, out to Michelle. Mary Jane Watson. That's right. <laughs> That's right. So, I don't know. Okay. My, my impression, you know? it felt like it was a bit of a throwaway line. Yeah, I right? wanted to throw it away. That's, That's, uh, yeah. <laughs> they're like, well, let's just throw it in there. And um, this is the direction we're taking. Uh, so we all at the theater thinking, okay, she's Mary Jane. But that was a weird introduction to Mary Jane. Yeah, it was weird. And it didn't really go anywhere from there. It just, like, cut to the next scene and that's it. Yeah. There was no longing of Peter Parker's eyeballs on her or any kind of... It was in there. Fact, there's no, there's no really relationship between this Michelle or MJ character yeah. and Peter Parker. It's just she's this sort of character that pops in, says her weird line, and pops out. It was like it was there solely to annoy me. That's <laughs> all it did. It just annoyed the hell the out of me. The writer's like, how can we destroy and annoy Henry? <laughs> Uh, as possible. <laughs> so okay, so following on that, like you heard some follow-up yeah, coverage so I, on I, that, I right? Did, it, perfect timing. I saw this article. Um, it looks like it was an interview with IGN's. Uh, with IGN, it was uh, Kevin Feige and Amy Pascal, uh, producers of the show. And Kevin Feige, he's the he's the glue that binds the MCU yeah, together. He's right? like the godfather of the MCU, yeah, basically. Right. And so this is the quote that spoke exactly to that. I'm going to read this. Okay. He says, or she says, we never even looked at it as a big reveal necessarily, but more of just a fun homage to his past adventures and his past love. She's not Mary Jane Watson. She never was Mary Jane Watson. Okay, so they're saying that definitively. She was always this new high school character, Michelle, who we know there's an M in Michelle and an M in Mary. And they laugh. So we're so clever and we thought, wouldn't it be neat if her initials were MJ? <laughs> no, it, it was not neat. So it looks like they're saying that she's not Mary Jane, so there is room for Mary Jane. Although people that are not aware of this article that came out, for the most part, they think she's Mary Jane. Yeah. And how confusing would it be if Mary Jane, a.k.a. MJ, does appear later <laughs> in the MCU? Yeah. Unless this is another curveball they're going to throw away and suddenly in the next movie she has red hair and is the popular girl <laughs> in yeah. high school and he falls helplessly in love with her. Yeah. It's annoying. You know, like, it was already kind of annoying or very annoying when I saw it, but after you told me about this little article you read, it's just more annoying because, like, well, if it's not Mary Jane... I mean, why even put that there? Right. And you know? here, here's the thing, too. Like, I'm going to continue reading this this quote here. Um, let's see. Feige, Feige, Feige revealed. It was never a big, oh, my God, it's a big reveal. There are big reveals in the movie. That's not one of them. I don't know. They kind of set it up like they're they trying to make it a big reveal. Yeah, right? absolutely. They, they sure as hell set it up like it was a big reveal. So, you know. Yeah. So if you want to, if we want to set your heart at ease, okay, this, this, this gal Pascal says, Amy Pascal, she says, she is not going to, she is not going to end as being Mary Jane Watson, confirming Michelle is a character in her own right. Okay. <laughs> Whatever that means. So we all have question marks here, Henry and I <laughs> in the room. 
It yeah. seems so awkwardly placed. Yeah, right? yeah. Well, you know, I guess I guess we're supposed to listen to Kevin Feige because he's like the almighty godfather of the MCU. But got a I don't plan know. Somewhere. Yeah. I don't know. Um, other minor stuff. Uh, Betty Brant. She's in the movie. She's a high school student. Betty Brant. Oh, Betty Brant from uh, the Daily Bugle. You said it exactly. Betty Brant is not a classmate of Peter Parker. She's she's a coworker. She works at the Daily Wait, Bugle. Who was Betty Brant? I didn't catch that. She oh she was. Um, you know how they had that little high school news report that would show up oh, on TV? That's right. She was one of them. Oh, yeah. She was the reporter. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it was kind of a, a, a subtle nod because, okay, she's a reporter, so she's an, a journalist. So maybe she ends up working at the Daily so Bugle that's later. That's the extent of our Daily Bugle exposure. I mean, and that's really isn't, you know, I mean, <laughs> uh, yeah, whatever. I don't know. So. It just makes me. It just makes me more aggravated every time I think about these little differences. So now I don't think know. about it. Was there ever a Daily Bugle newspaper laying around that someone was reading, or any hint at Daily Bugle? Not that I noticed. Yeah. Yeah. So. Okay. So I mean, I think we've said our piece there. <laughs> yeah. So in 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 summary, uh, I really enjoyed the movie. Again, it was bright. It was fun. It was fast paced. Um, a lot of elements that were missing, which I feel like they can interject in the sequels. Who knows? If this is going to be the last Spider-Man film with Tom Holland, that would kind of suck. It won't. <laughs> <laughs> but it definitely won't. Have you seen the box office? <laughs> I mean, yeah, they're killing it. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, so on my side, I've had a lot of negative things to say here, but, uh, you know, with all that said, uh, it's a fun movie. and I enjoyed it. Absolutely. Um, maybe you want to go in and not hold on, hold on to your, um, you know, your uh, pre-prescribed notions of Peter Parker and Spider-Man and kind of be open-minded, perhaps, and just enjoy the ride. Um, yeah, I think uh, that's that kind of sums up uh, my take on Spider-Man Homecoming. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. Yep. <laughs> cool. <laughs> okay, so yeah, before we wrap up, I thought it might be good to talk a little bit about Spider-Man and the comics. You know, um, we talked a lot about, you know, sticking to the roots of Spider-Man and the roots of Spider-Man. As much as I loved Sam Raimi's Spider-Man, Spider-Man didn't start in... 2002 okay he nope. started in the comics in the 60s okay yep. so um let's talk a little bit about the comics so um yeah i just wanted to bring up the, the original shit it, it's it's uh those original stanley steve ditko books are masterpieces you know they defined marvel they defined you know this this new era of superheroes and um, yeah, just specifically, Amazing Fantasy 15, the first appearance of Spider-Man. It's a brilliant book. You really got to to know this this new uh, this new type of hero. You know, he he's an anxiety-ridden, painfully shy teenager who who gets these superpowers and um, you know becomes a superhero. But he has to deal with all the shit that we have to deal with, like. You know, he, he he's he's not he's not rich. 
he, he's got chores to do. Like, it's all the stuff that, you know, we've had to deal with throughout our lives. And it, it, it's brilliant. And, and uh, a big shout out to, to Ditko. Like, this guy, his artwork is phenomenal. Um, if there's anything I would say I liked about the Andrew Garfield portrayal of, of Spider-Man is that he, he looked like the, the original Ditko Spider-Man. He's kind of lean and lanky. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, that, I, that I can't say enough about uh, the original Spider-Man books. Um, how about you? Any any uh, Spider-Man recommendations on your end? Yeah, let's see. I read uh, some books from Starzynski's run. Uh, mm-hmm. The one I can just remember most notably was Civil War. Not, I think that was by Bendis. Um, and uh, which seems appropriate because he was wearing the Iron Spidey suit at that time, which Tony Stark gave him, which. Right. Uh, is a nice relation to what we just saw in Homecoming. Yeah, uh, although hey, it's very different. If there is a counter argument to all this shit about, hey, you know, we're, we're upset that Tony Stark like introduced Spider-Man to the MCU. Well, um, Tony Stark kind of did that in the Civil War books. Yeah, he's right? done, he, he did that already. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it was even more of uh, uh, of an overbearing, you know, um, I don't know training wheel suit <laughs> oh, <laughs> on yeah. Spider-Man because it was literally red and gold and it also had like spider oh, uh, yeah. spider arms and like six or four of them. Yeah. I think they call it the iron spider. The iron spider. Yeah, which yeah. I think is garbage. Like, I don't know <laughs> if any people out there like the iron spider costume in Civil War, but I think it's garbage. Uh, I don't think it's garbage. <laughs> it had some interesting elements, but uh, I mean, last I heard of Spider-Man, like they retcon the hell out of him. Like he's no longer married to Mary Jane. I think at one point Doc Ock was in like Peter Parker's body or something like that. They brought him back into high school. Uh, I'm pretty sure they conveniently line that up to, to be in parallel with homecoming. Who knows? Um, yeah. But yeah. Hey, you know, that kind of takes us back to maybe letting these differences play out because yes in the comics they make great changes big changes all the time too right so um maybe we shouldn't hold on to the spider-man we know too tightly (laughs) kind of go with it you know be open-minded yeah open yourself up to some new storytelling there you go all right so oh one last thing i i did bring up amazing spider-man sorry amazing fantasy 15 and it does have the words. It finishes on with great power comes great responsibility. So, you know, furthering the point that the original Spider-Man movie really stuck to the original source material. So one last time, everyone, with great power comes great responsibility. And with that, we can wrap up the show. This is Farewell. From Henry and Rainier. See ya.